Welcome to My 10 Sports. Glad you could join us on this Week 9 preview episode. Again, we're getting into Week 9 here. A lot of great matchups continue to have to happen in the SEC. we still got division races coming down later than they had, than they previously have here in the last four to five years. Obviously, we got a big weekend next week. We all know about that. But let's get into this. we got some intriguing ones my opinion, I think I think we got some matchups where we got the obvious better team in it, but I think we got some intriguing matchups, at least from storylines. We just got a cl- good classic rivalry, the the uh, world's largest cocktail party in Georgia, Florida. We're gonna get right to it. But speaking of Georgia, Florida, let's roll into that. And again, it's Georgia, Florida. After working at Georgia for two years, it's Georgia before Florida. It's not the Florida Georgia game. It's the Georgia Florida game. So we're just gonna get that right. But as always, they kick off at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on CBS. Both teams heading to Jacksonville off a bye week, and the season's heading in different directions. Georgia comes in at 7-0 and tied with Tennessee in the SEC East. Florida comes in in Billy Napier's first year at 4-3 and, and is hoping to finish Billy Napier's first season on a high note. Napier's a good football coach, in my opinion. I, re- I really think so. He'll have a good game plan coming into this. But how long will they be able to stay with the initial game plan? And what I mean by that is how long will they be able to stay with their game plan that they came up with early in the week? How far does that go where they have to be like, all right, screw it. we got to improvise. we got to come up with something else. Especially if they get down early and, the, and Georgia offense is rolling and they get in a hole 14, 17, 21 to nothing and uh, the running game on offense be damned at that point. We kind of got to throw the football and kind of get back into this a little bit, and then we can go back to our plan if we can get close enough. But again, this is another opportunity for Anthony Richardson to show improvement on a big stage. I don't trust him enough to think he'll flip a switch suddenly when he's playing the best defense he'll see all year. But overall, we know. Everyone knows. Georgia's just a better team than Florida this year. But let's be honest. If Georgia comes out and shoots itself in the foot on offense like it did against Kent State and Missouri a couple weeks ago, Florida's definitely equipped enough to hang around and make this a game in the fourth quarter. Now, I do think Georgia got woke up some, especially after the Missouri game, but after a bye week in Tennessee coming in town next week, is the focus where it needs to be. I mean, I, I say they improved, but have they really been tested? They played Auburn uh, and Vanderbilt, so it's two of the not great teams in the league uh, Vandy's probably the worst team in the league. Auburn's not too far, probably sitting up there two spots ahead of them. But uh, I just – if Georgia comes out and turns the ball over, commits some penalties, Florida has enough talent to hang around and make this an interesting uh, – bout. but I'll say this to be fair about the focus. Kirby Smart, you all know, he played at Georgia – Coach there before he even got there now, obviously the head coach. But he takes this Florida Georgia, sorry, this Georgia Florida game really serious. He does. Like you can tell after wins, even when he knows they're better, he runs around the stadium, high fives all the Georgia fans, appreciates them for supporting them. He gets real fired up, hugging players after, kind of emotional, energetic. You can tell this game, especially because he played at Florida or at Georgia, and they won one of the games when they weren't supposed to when he was there. I think he had two or three picks at a game back in the 90s. Big game for Kirby, but he understands how big of a game this is to Georgia and Florida fans. He does, and I think he and he translates that trickles down all the way to his players. Because I heard a quote this week, I forget what player from Georgia was um, talking. I think it might might have been uh, 
Jamon Demas Johnson talking about Georgia losing to Florida in 2020, and he wasn't even on the team, and that's brought up all the time. Like, there's a standard at Georgia right now, and they don't lose to Florida, and Kirby's incorporated in. This ain't just another game. This is the Florida game. It's our big rival. We take this game seriously. But where will this game be won? Georgia's offense on third down, in my opinion. Florida's 130th at 131 teams in third down conversion in, foot, in the football football bowl subdivision, this is the FBS, and allowing 52.6% conversion rate to opponents. Georgia's going to stay ahead of the chains of their run game and utilize their weapons at tight end. I look forward to hope for Darnell Washington to have a big game out of everyone this weekend in that tight end room. I don't know why he doesn't get more targets, especially in the red zone. He is a mismatch nightmare for anyone who is covering him. No one's going to be able to cover from a physical stature standpoint a 6-7 tight end that moves like him. Needs to get more targets. I think he will this week. Uh, Florida really struggled with Utah's tight ends in the first game of the year this past weekend. Remember they had the good duo of Keithy and I forget the other kid's name. Uh, but they did a really good job of taking advantage of Florida's second level. Utah's tight ends really made some money that game against Florida. But Georgia's group, as we all know, is even better. So I expect them to get utilized, have some success. Prediction, I got Georgia winning this game 45-21. Georgia should have their way on offense this week. Florida could have a potential mismatch if they can establish the run game, especially if Small Munden is still coming off an ankle injury and he's not 100%. They can establish the run and get some mismatches inside with guys like Ricky Persall and Xavier Henderson. There'll be some explosive plays to be had for Florida. They're, they're, they're going to be there, just can they, can they take advantage of it? I don't think Florida will be able to consistently do that all day. Again, I think Florida will, have, will compete. This game's usually closer, at least for a half. It was close last year. 3 nothing should have been in half, and then Georgia scored 21 unanswered in like 50 seconds of game time. And again, But like I said... Billy Napier and his staff will have a good game plan, but nothing has shown me Florida is really ready to go kind of get better this week against the best team they've played all year. So I think Georgia gets the 45-21 win. The betting line right now when I was looking at it last night is Georgia's favored by 22 and a half. Eh, a little high in a rivalry game, especially when this game's usually, uh, it's not really, there's not many blowouts, but I do think Georgia will backdoor cover this. I'm on the spot and saying that, give me the Georgia Bulldogs, backdoor covering it. But again, Georgia's just a better team in this matchup. I think it'll be close for a bit, but Georgia pulls away late, getting the 45-21 win. Moving to the next one, an interesting one. Contrast the styles here. Kentucky at Tennessee, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff on ESPN. This is Tennessee's first world test since the big win against Alabama two weeks ago. Tennessee has set themselves up for a most likely winner-take-all battle next week in Athens in regards to the SEC East. Kentucky seems to be getting Will Levis back. Somewhat healthy, looked good in their last outing in Mississippi State two weeks ago. But these are two totally different styles of teams, especially offensively. For example, Kentucky runs 1.87 plays per minute. That's the slowest in FBS in the football bowl subdivision. Tennessee runs 2.88 plays per minute. That's fifth most in the country. So Tennessee's running double the amount of plays almost, or just a full, no, sorry, a full, they're getting a full extra play in a sec, in, in a minute. Like, it, Tennessee goes at rapid speed. Again, they're getting a totally, they're getting another, an extra play in before Kentucky gets one in. I mean, we're, you're, again, Kentucky at 1.87 plays per minute. And Tennessee at 2.88 plays per minute. So big difference. Tennessee fifth in the country. Kentucky's last in FBS. 
If you have any kind of football sense and know anything about these two teams, you know Kentucky's going to try and possess the football and keep Tennessee's offense off the field. I mean, they're even quoted admitting it this week. Here's Will Levis. Quote, I think if we're able to string together a couple 10-plus play drives and take a lot of time off the clock, that just doesn't leave them as much time in the field. And he's not wrong. But Tennessee's fully aware of this, too. And I'd expect the Vols to try to come out very aggressive from the start and get up on Kentucky and make that offense play catch up. Kentucky has struggled offensively in first halves this year. No more than 13 points and a half this year. That can't happen this week. Yes, I know Tennessee already plays aggressively, but if they can get up 28-10, to 10, sound familiar, they did it on Alabama, but Tennessee does not have the offensive firepower Alabama has. The Kentucky team's not coming back. So like I said, Kentucky no, Tennessee knows Kentucky's going to try to possess the football. So I think we see Tennessee come out even more aggressive initially if they can get an opportunity now. If they're only getting like two drives and a quarter or a quarter and a half, like in Kentucky's possessing the football, all bets are off. But I think offensively, Tennessee's going to come out aggressive and try to get up big on Kentucky and get them out of their initial game plan. Josh Heupel should expect some interesting defensive schemes that he probably hadn't seen before, at least every now and then in the first half from Brad White and Mark Stoops. But can Kentucky's defense limit Hendon Hooker and Tennessee overall, just the overall offense? It's going to take their best performance of the season. And here's an interesting stat. Something's got to give. Tennessee has scored 30-plus points in 10 straight games, the longest streak in program history. And Kentucky has allowed 24 or fewer points in 11 straight games. It's the longest active streak in football at FBS. And so, so something's got to give there. Where this game will be won, in my opinion, is Tennessee's defensive line versus Kentucky's offensive line. Tennessee is fourth in sacks in the SEC this year. And, I, and it's an improved unit. Give Rodney Garner, the defensive line coach, uh, edge coach, props. I mean, he had some, I know him personally, he did a really good job developing Auburn's defensive line. But in Tennessee, this is the most improved defensive front they've had in a long time. Keep People keep saying they want to see him get tested, but I mean, they faced a solid Florida rushing attack. They faced a solid LSU rushing attack. And Alabama runs the ball pretty well, too. So that's what I'm saying. Like, they face some teams, but the thing that Tennessee does is they get they, they haven't allowed really anyone except Florida did a decent job at it to possess the football. Like, they get you out of your game because they got up so big on Florida. Florida had to start throwing around. Same with Alabama. They didn't really totally commit to the run, at least between the, between the tackles. And with that being said, I said Tennessee's fourth in sacks in the league. Kentucky's tied for last in the SEC in sacks allowed. This Tennessee front, again, like I said, played well all year. I think that'll continue at home this week against one of the conference's worst offensive line units in Kentucky. Now, don't get me wrong, though. I'm a big fan of Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez, and he looks like he's getting back to his old self. The big blue wall can create just a little space. Rodriguez is always falling forward for positive yardage. I do think... This Tennessee defensive front is one of the most improved units in the league. Like I mentioned, they're only averaging giving up 2.8 yard, 2.89 yards per carry this year. And I think they'll continue to play well, stop the run, and create some pressure on Will Levis, who honestly probably stays in the pocket a little too long at times. Tennessee front has to generate a consistent pass rush, and I believe they will, as they are top in quarterback hurries in the SEC this year. I think that continues. Prediction. Tennessee 38, Kentucky 20. I just don't see the Kentucky offensive line improving to the extent they will have to for the Wildcats to be able to sustain the necessary drives to win this game. 
I think Kentucky is in the first half. I think they'll play around for this at first half. I just don't think they've shown the consistency on offense that will be required to limit Tennessee offensively. The Kentucky defense, I like solid group. Not a lot of difference makers out there, but solid group who does their job. But the Tennessee offense is going to get there. It's just like they've done every every year this year, every week this year. Kentucky rarely beats Tennessee in normal years, but much less when Tennessee is the better team and it's at home. I'm interested to see how Kentucky looks coming off the bye week. They should have some new wrinkles. It'll be interesting. One of the more interesting matchups in the country, in my opinion. Just two conflicting styles. I do like Tennessee ultimately pulling away 38-20. From a betting standpoint, Tennessee is favored by minus 12. Favored by 12 right now. Give me the Vols. I think it's very very similar to another backdoor cover. I think this may be a backdoor cover week in the SEC. But give me Tennessee to win this game, 38-20. Really looking forward to this one in Knoxville on Saturday night. Moving on to the next game, Ole Miss at Texas A&M, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on the SEC Network. Both of these teams are coming in this game after losses. Ole Miss to LSU last week, A&M to South Carolina last week. To me, this is the most, from top to bottom, storyline standpoint, this is the most intriguing game of the entire weekend to me in the league. It really is. I don't know what to expect. I'll be completely honest with you. A&M sounds like it's having larger issues on and off the field. They have they're a very beat up team, lost three starters to three contributors, I believe two starters on the offensive line, Jimbo announced this week. And playing some even younger guys, and sometimes that works in a positive way at, the, at this point in the year because they don't know how to quit because they're fired up, they're just playing. So that can work for you, and we'll see how it is. They haven't been at home in a long time, so maybe that fixes some of their problems because they've been between bye weeks and road games. And again, maybe the young kids just say, hey, let's go play. And we know it's a talented group that signed a fantastic recruiting class last year. So the talent's there. Maybe they just let it go play. They're more comfortable at home. Um, they just may not know any better. They just have. They just know they got to go play. But either way, you lose this game if you're Texas A&M and missing a bowl game becomes real. Then all bets are off whether how uh, the future of Jimbo Fisher is. But Ole Miss, on the other hand, has all their goals still in front of them. You win this game and you head into your bye week controlling your own destiny before Alabama comes to town for a driver's seat game in the SEC West, especially if Alabama beats LSU next week. But overall, I question Ole Miss's injury. How beat up is Ole Miss? They look like they have some guys in nitpicky injuries. I was reading injury reports, different guys, and I believe Ole Miss puts their injured guys in black jerseys. Uh, some teams change colors with the inj- their injured jerseys, but it looked like Ole Miss some had nitpicky injuries. But it's that time of year. Everybody's got some nitpicky injuries that don't make it out to the media that people don't really know about, dealing with turf toes, people stepped on toes, some sprained ankles that guys are getting treatment on multiple at the end of the year, throughout the year. But you won't know it till a coach has his last press conference before the bowl game or right after the bowl game or at the bowl game telling you how injured they actually were. But this team looked like a team in the second half If I after watching Ole Miss that needed it. I watched it live, went back and watched it, and you could just see it. Ole Miss needs a bye week. They do get it after the week, this week after playing eight straight weeks, or this will be their ninth straight week. But even last week in the second half, they just looked exhausted. Can the Rebs play a complete game? They're 7-1 this year. Still, everything in front of, still have everything in front of them and still have not played a complete game this year. Flipping back to A&M, A&M cannot start off slow like they have been because a Ole Miss will get up on you quickly. They did it against LSU last week, 17-3, but LSU and Brian Kelly didn't panic, settled into the game, and again, make Ole Miss play a complete game. If they come out, hit you in the face early, stare right back at them. They haven't proven that they can 
go 12 rounds with teams. They, they really haven't. They haven't played a complete, in a, from a boxing analogy standpoint, they haven't fought a full 12 rounds yet. So it'll be interesting to see, can they do that? Where this game will be won, can Texas A&M establish a consistent run game? If A&M struggles up front and can't establish a run game, they will be in trouble early and often. Ole Miss, in my opinion, has started to struggle consistently to stop the run since conference play. A&M's missing a few pieces on the offensive line, though, and an already pretty young, average average rushing offense. If A&M is patient and gives A-Chain 25, I'm, I'm moving five more touches for A-Chain. He's got to keep touching the football. 25-plus touches. Maybe a guy, um, they get some other running backs, some young guys, some uh, carries, because they need to, again, I've been saying all year, they need an extra body, a bigger body to help Devon A-Chain. He, gets, uh, he needs to get 25-plus touches as he should be able to get to the third level. And if he has one-on-one matchups with Ole Miss's safeties, Ole Miss does not tackle well, you could see A-Chain rip a few off. Keep an eye on Devon A-Chain. He may rack up a lot of all-purpose yards out of the backfield this week. Again, Ole Miss has banged up some on defense. So at the very least, A&M should be consistent and try to establish some kind of running game to assist the offense. Prediction. I just think Ole Miss gets it done. I'm going to go 31-24. Not overly confident in this game. This game's a big mystery to me. This game's a total pickle, like I mentioned earlier. Just so many things going on. How Ole Miss is going to bounce back. It's their first real adversity after bringing in so many transfers. And I know I keep harping on that. But this is, these are the kind of days where it's like, hey, is that buddy all in? Zach Evans, I know you're a little nicked up. But you can go play a little this week. We need you. SEC West is on the line. We're getting into November. We need our best players on the field. I know you're beat up, but everyone's beat up. We need you. These are the kind of games that's almost going to rally. Or are they going to go get in the fetal position in the corner after one lost LSU? Because I, I, cause I tell you what they need to do, because they have a chance, because they're a pretty good football team, is they need to fight. That's what they need to do. But I think A&M will be able to run on Ole Miss because everybody's been doing it. But something tells me it's not going to matter. I, I just How can you possibly trust A&M right now and feel good about it? And I know I said my key to the game is if A&M can establish a run game. And I think they'll be s- somewhat consistent. I mean, if Devon A-Chain goes completely off, busting 75, 80-yard runs, all bets are off. But I just I couldn't bet Ole Miss, right? I mean, at Texas A&M right now, just too much off the field stuff. Guys are... Uh, seem like a little bit quitting from a distance and from stuff you hear. Uh, I just trust Ole Miss more right now. Their run game, their quarterback play, uh, to get uh, just to go. I, I just have Ole Miss winning this game, going to get a conference road game, and rolling into a much-needed bye week. Not a lot of the reasons why. I just think Ole Miss I trust more with especially what's going on. I know it's at Kyle Field. A&M's really probably second real road game. How hostile it'll be this weekend, uh, TBD to be determined. But overall, it comes down to my predictions, who I trust the most and what I know will travel. I think Ole Miss's run game is going to travel because they rush for still they still rush over 100 yards with Quinchon Judkins last week in Baton Rouge, and I just don't. And I think they make a few less mistakes and get a win, feel good heading into their bye week, trying to get rejuvenated for the last push of the season. Got Ole Miss winning 31 24. Betting Ole Miss minus two, not overly confident in this, but as my score, I haven't went by seven. I'll give up the points. I'll give up two and take Ole Miss. But again, not overly confident in one of the more, if not the most intriguing game in the conference this year from storyline standpoint. Moving to the next one. Arkansas at Auburn. Arkansas is trying to get revenge on the Bo Nix backwards pass game they had two years ago in Sam Pittman's first year at Jordan-Hare. 
11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone kickoff on the SEC Network. Both Auburn and Arkansas are coming off bye weeks. I know I say this, it's this time of year. Both teams kind of coming coming in opposite directions. Arkansas got a big road win a couple two weeks ago in BYU that I think could really change the direction of their season. They're getting K.J. Jefferson back. That win afforded them the opportunity to get some rest and try to salvage just the overall season to me. I said it going into it. Uh, K.J. Jefferson and the offense is it was their best offensive performance all year, and I think that continues. Auburn, however, just still dealing with the week-to-week drama. Half of their 2021 class, if you've been paying attention at all, is now gone. They all, apparently the rumor is they all wanted to go, or a lot of them at least, wanted to go red shirt. And Brian Harson told them if you wanted a red shirt and not play, then you need to enter the portal and you're not on the team anymore. Touche for Brian Harson for that. But uh, that's been the bigger storyline this week, who they're going to hire as an AD, who their next coach is. Those are kind of been the storylines. Not a lot of Arkansas talk on the old, uh, if you talk to any Auburn fans this week, it's more about the future where they see Auburn going just from an overall administration coach standpoint. So I don't know how fired up people are going to be on the planes for this 11 a.m. kickoff. But Arkansas, I mean, Auburn's coming off their bye week. They played Ole Miss two weeks ago and kind of established something, found something on the ground with Tank Bigsby when you commit to him. Ran for over 301 yards. Arkansas has way more to play for, though. And as they shed some uh, some kind of light at the end of the tunnel, they could finish this season with eight wins. Auburn is, in just, Auburn is just in week nine of what seems like a farewell tour for Brian Harson. Where this game will be won, all Arkansas's run game versus the Arkansas-Auburn front seven. Arkansas's run game versus Auburn's front seven. Just a bad matchup, in my opinion, for Auburn. Arkansas ranks second in the SEC in rushing offense. It averages 240 yards per game. Auburn ranks 14th in the SEC in rushing defense, giving up 204 yards per game. Auburn has struggled tremendously in stopping the run in its most recent conference games. Ole Miss went for 448 on the ground on them, and Georgia went for 292. So Auburn defense has really struggled to get stops in the red zone. They're 13th in the SEC. And on third downs this year, they're 11th in the SEC. Uh, And I do not see that changing this week. I got the prediction, Arkansas 38-21. Arkansas starting to click on offense right now after their best game, maybe of the same Pittman tenure two weeks ago in Provo. K.J. Jefferson's back, looks healthy. Winning on the road in the SEC is never easy, though. We all know that, but I just think Arkansas is about to start playing well down the stretch, and Auburn is distraction you right now. Arkansas just needs to focus on themselves and handle business. They know what it takes to win this game. It's a matchup nightmare, a lot of misdirection. Auburn struggles to fit their gaps, tackle in space. Then you factor in KJ Jefferson's a running threat. It's just not a good matchup for Auburn. Uh, Arkansas just needs to play to their strengths and just do not turn the ball over. And I don't think they do. And I think they get out of Jordan-Hare with a big SEC road win. Again, moving towards the end of the season where they can kind of be maybe looking at the end of the year being like, huh, man, they ended up winning eight, nine games. Like, hmm, man, they really turned their season around after losing three straight. I think that's where Arkansas is right now. The betting line, Arkansas minus three and a half. Give me Arkansas minus three and a half. This is the most confident pick I have all weekend from a betting standpoint in the SEC. So take it if you're listening. Again, I like Arkansas. I like it. They're going to come in with some confidence with a plan. They're going to know what to do. Too many distractions on the planes right now. This may be the first game of the year. I think Auburn may be a no-show. Just keep that in the back of your mind. They may be a no-show. But I got Arkansas winning 38-21. to And then finally, Fifth game, last game of the weekend, 
from an SEC standpoint, Missouri at South Carolina, the 3 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone SEC Network game, the Battle of Columbia, baby. This one's actually in Columbia, South Carolina this year, though. Uh, both of these teams are coming to this game with some confidence after winning conference games last week. Missouri outlasted Vandy's 17-14 after getting up 17-0 then not scoring in the second half. And then South Carolina got the big Texas A&M monkey off their back after losing to them eight years in a row. Got a huge home win against cross-division rival Texas A&M. South Carolina's been playing well here recently, using the run game, stopping the run, and playing good special teams to chalk up some wins. The recipe should again be enough to get the win against Missouri if Arkansas, sorry, if South Carolina does not shoot themselves in the foot. And just so you know, Missouri's won three straight in this series. But in the last two games, Shane Beamer's in the Gamecocks have been about killing uh, streaks. I mean, they ended the SEC road losing streak. Granted, it was only one year in his first year, Shane Beamer hadn't won an SEC road game. But nonetheless, he got his first road SEC win against Kentucky. And he ended the eight-game losing streak against A&M. Now they've coming into a game where they have a three-game losing streak in this supposed rivalry. Uh, can they end it again? They're, they're streak enders this year. Um, say what you want about Spencer Rattler. But without him, South Carolina is not 5-2 and two right now. In the last two games, he's 11 for 18 on third down. So he's extending drives with them. I think it was something like 8.2 yards per attempt. Maybe maybe it's closer to 9. I forget where I saw it. But 11 for 18 on third downs, keeping drives going. He hadn't played great this year, but he has kept them alive. And, again, I don't think they'd be 5-2 and two without him. Missouri offense is going to have to start producing more explosive plays for the air overall as an offense. It's it's not good. They went scoreless against a porous Vandy defense in the second half that kept Vandy around and gave Vandy a chance to win the game at, at the end. they got to get more creative. I know Luther Burden touched it a lot in the first half against Vandy, and he may have some off-the-field issues. I don't know that. I'm not saying that. I just don't know why he doesn't get touches in the second half. It could be on the coaching staff. I, I don't know. But he has to start touching the ball more. He really does. But – with the improvement of the South Carolina front as of late, this looks like it could be another long day for the Missouri offense if they don't start getting more creative like I'm talking about. Where this game will be won, I think it will be South Carolina's ability to be creative on offense on first and second downs. Look, South Carolina has found somewhat of a rhythm here in the last few weeks on offense. With that being said, Missouri's front seven is not bad. If South Carolina becomes predictable on offense, this game will come down to the fourth quarter. South Carolina needs to use Marshawn Lloyd, obviously, but don't just run him into stacked boxes over and over again against a pretty solid run defense. Missouri has their own issues, but their defensive line's a solid group. I think they're fourth or fifth in rushing defense in the league. You're going to have to throw them first down, keep them on their heels, and stay ahead of the chains, and South Carolina should be celebrating its third SEC, its third straight SEC win. Prediction? I got South Carolina 28-17. South Carolina wouldn't shock me if they came out flat this week after two big SEC wins in the past three weeks. And Missouri, and Missouri's shown it's it's not it's going to come into every game week to week ready to fight. They've proven that against Auburn, Georgia, Florida, all those Vandy. They even won, even though they struggled in the second half. They they haven't quit. I don't trust this South Carolina team yet to come out and play mistake free football for sixty minutes yet, though. I think that's where they're getting. Can they overcome the emotion of winning some games? Some people said they wouldn't, but now they're going into that stretch against Missouri and Vandy the next two weeks where they're going to be favored and people expect to win that game. Can they be mature enough to win the game? This week and next week, like I said, it's going to test the overall culture and maturity as they will be favored against teams they are just truly better in that they need to finish off and win. South Carolina has turned the corner under Shane Beamer. 
They need to start showing up and winning these games that they are the obvious better team in. I expect a bit of a sloppy performance, though, especially early on. Don't be surprised if this game's kind of back and forth throughout the game. And South Carolina, again, I keep saying it about a lot of teams in this league, kind of, uh, what's the best, kind of uh, separates themselves later in the game. But I think South Carolina will get a few more stops, separating itself in the second half and uh, getting the win 28-17. From a betting standpoint, South Carolina is favored minus four right now. You can get South Carolina minus four. I'm going to give up the points. And uh, give South Carolina a 28-17 win, obviously, in the cover. I could see a lot of backdoor covers this week. I really could. Between the Georgia-Florida games, that's a lot of points. I'm talking about from a betting standpoint. A lot of cover, backdoor covers between Georgia-Florida, uh, this game, Missouri-South Carolina, and uh, what was the other one I had? T- Tennessee-Kentucky. I could say, uh, Those are my three games that had backdoor cover written all over them. We like a lot of favorites this week. But those are the five games that have conference uh, meaning to it this week. Week nine, guys, the season is, man, season's flying by. But, again, we're getting in some great matchups, very intriguing matchups this week. I appreciate you joining me on this week nine preview. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Keep following us on Mach 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.